episode 64 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on December 18th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Game Update 5.6.1 went live. I'll talk about the Yavin 4 Warzone and changes to the Caparo Flashpoint. Star Wars The Old Republic turned 6. I'll tell you about the gifts, both new and old, that you can get. Also, Life Day celebrations have begun. It's time to break out the Hoth parkas because you can't walk two feet without getting pelted with a snowball. Finally this week, I'll give you my spoiler-free thoughts on The Last Jedi. Enough said. And with that, it's time to make the jump to lightspeed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Welcome to Episode 64 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. But before I get to that, let's start with some announcements for The Old Republic. Now, as you heard in the opening, I'm going to talk about The Last Jedi today. It will be the final topic for the show, and even though I won't get into specific plot points, if you haven't seen it, you may want to steer clear as there might be some inferences from what I tell you. I'll give you ample warning before I dive into it. Now, as for SWOTOR, the in-game events calendar has been updated, and it now includes activities that run through the end of January. Double Rewards event uh, is running from December 12th through January 1st. Life Day uh, event will run from December 12th through January 10th. The 6th Anniversary Rewards vendor will be live from December 12th through January 17th. The Relics of the Gree event will return on December 26th and run through January 2nd. And Bounty Contract Week will run from January 9th through the 16th. And then finally, the Rakul Plague Outbreak on Tatooine will start on January 23rd and end on January 30th. And other than some basic maintenance, no new content is planned until after the new year, but there are plenty of little things to keep us busy now, so with that, let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. Game Update 5.6.1 went live on December 12th, and it finally brought us that new war zone on Yavin 4. In the patch notes, it was stated that the Yavin 4 war zone would pop more frequently than others. This will only be for a limited time. As always, when it comes to RNG, your mileage will vary. I've played it twice and lost both times. I did manage to cap a turret in each battle. The Yavin 4 war zone is based on the Alderaan Civil War rule set, and the map is similarly structured. There are turrets on each side and one in the middle. Each team has easier access to one of the side turrets, encouraging you to capture that one. There is a tunnel, and in that tunnel is a buff item that reduces the time it takes to capture a turret down to 4 seconds, down from 8. If you do get the item, you will stand out, so prepare to have the other team swarm you and give you the beating of a lifetime. The map is easy to navigate, and it seems smaller than Alderaan, although I don't know that if it actually is. There are plenty of trees and statues that you can use for cover. 
although most of the fighting on the side areas tends to take place next to the turret controls. The item you need to click to capture the turret is a small panel on one side of the column, so it is possible to get a little cover while capturing the objective, which is kind of nice. So overall, I like it uh, because it's based on an existing war zone. There's no learning curve involved. It looks nice, and it's just a good addition to the current list of war zones. And if nothing else, it reduces the chances of Hutball or some other war zone you hate popping up. Now on to Capero. When Capero was released, a number of people complained that the difficulty for story and solo mode was overtuned. BioWare went and made the following adjustments for 5.6.1. Bosses have had their health significantly reduced in both story and solo mode. The damage done by bosses has been reduced in both story and solo mode. Bosses have had their health slightly reduced in both veteran and master mode. The number of enemies has been reduced throughout the flashpoint. The guardian droid will no longer instant cast their mortal volley ability. The Caparo security droid will no longer instant cast their seeker missile ability. I ran the flashpoint in story mode on my mercenary and the improvements were noticeable. It took about 20 to 25 minutes to run. Uh, there was less trash to get through and the bosses simply melted. It could have, would have been faster. It would have been a faster run except that I decided to kill the temple guardian for the achievement. I hadn't done that before and that is not a short fight even with the changes. So overall, the, there, these are some great improvements, and if you're trying to stock up on decorations or get those armor sets, it no longer feels like a grind, and Capero is still gorgeous. Not only does this need to be a stronghold, but it needs its own soundtrack. They reused music from the Knights of the Eternal Throne, uh, specifically Iocath, and it just seems out of place. It would have been so much nicer if they could have given it its own original music. All right, Life Day and the sixth anniversary of Star Wars The Old Republic are underway. For Life Day, it's the same as it is every year. You can pelt players and NPCs with snowballs for a chance to get a snow-covered parcel. This year, you get 215 CXP per parcel. That is not bad. There aren't any new items on the Life Day vendor. However, there is a new Life Day bundle you can purchase from the cartel market, and the bundle includes a model Umbaran train decoration, the Copero Jubilee Mini Probe, uh, there's a flare, the Snowtacular flare, uh, a Merry Ice Tromper mount, and the Life Day surprise. And you can get some additional Life Day holotree decorations by throwing snowballs at overheated Life Day droids, which can be found on Coruscant, Dromenkos, and the Promenade on Nar Shadda. New items for the 6th anniversary are an Old Republic flare and a commemorative statue of Valkorion, which you can decorate in your strongholds. You can also get some of the older anniversary items as well, including the Celebration Jawa, the Senya Holo Trainer, and the posters of the original game expansions. Life Day will end on January 10th, and the 6th anniversary will end on January 17th. Also this week, there was an update on the credit exploit. Uh, the vendor selling the cheap gifts was fixed in 5.6.1, so no more cheap gifts. And this is what Eric Musco said about the actions that they are taking against players. And he said, keep in mind that we try to avoid talking about exploits and action taken against players. However, I know there was a bit of concern about this exploit and its implications on the game. So here is where things stand. We have already begun taking action against players. 
but the brunt of those actions are still to come, as you might imagine, gathering all of the data to understand who exploited and what they did with the money takes quite a bit of time. Know that over time we will be applying account actions along with removing a large quantity of credits and other ill-gotten gains. Part of what takes so long is that some players know they are doing something they shouldn't and so they try to hide it. Moving credits around, using alt accounts, etc. It is important to us that we take appropriate action against each individual and we are extra harsh against those who try to hide what they have done. Similarly, some players who participated have already self-reported either to Keith and myself or to customer support. We absolutely take that into account when looking at what action we will take. And again, my usual thanks to the absolute vast majority of our players who helped in reporting the issue quickly and avoided using it. So TLDR, some action has already happened with the brunt of it still to follow. So things are in motion, but as I discussed with the SWOTOR guy last episode, the damage is done, and no matter what BioWare does, it's going to take some time for things to stabilize and ultimately get back to normal. So while BioWare continues to sort out that mess, there continues to be issues with Conquest conquest rewards. In fact, I have three open tickets right now for three different issues. Fear not, though, there is a fix on the way, and according to Eric Musco, there is a solution ready to go to get everyone their rewards. Right now, our plan is that we will push the reward button sometime Wednesday morning. Note that we will likely have to restart all game servers to make this happen. I will let everyone know the exact timing once we lock it in. So fingers crossed that on Wednesday, we'll get our rewards, and more importantly, that the issue is fixed once and for all. I also have an update on that NVIDIA giveaway contest, if you want to call it that. The contest has come and gone, and I'm sad to report that yours truly did not win on any of my accounts. It's not surprising since it was open to all registered NVIDIA users, and there are a lot of them. There is a mega thread on the SWOTOR subreddit where people can give away their codes. It's highly watched, so once a code is posted, it doesn't last more than a minute or two. If you're itching for a code, you can keep checking there, but the odds of finding one aren't great. Now, the bundle that they were giving away includes an Outlander token that allows you to create a level 60 or 65 player, access to the Knights of the Eternal Throne, and an armor set in a Chiss themed mount. The mount has a flare, by the way. The armor set and mount are the sought-after items here because you can't get them anywhere else, and therein lies the problem with this giveaway. I'm not a big fan of Bioware giving away exclusive items in this manner. It's one thing if everyone who got a code played Star Wars The Old Republic, but that's not how this contest was designed. I'm certain there are winners out there who don't play the game and their codes will go unused. Meanwhile, there are many of us who do play the game who would love to have these items. I hope that down the line, Bioware will make the armor set and mount available in some fashion, say direct purchase from the cartel market. The mount should have been a drop from the Capero Flashpoint. That said, I'll admit that if they were put up for direct sale in the cartel market, I probably would not buy them. They're not that nice. They're just exclusive, which is why they're so desirable at the moment. 
Sparkly eyes have been an issue of late, and this week one of SWOTOR's senior character artists shared some insight on what's been happening, and here's what they had to say. A while back, a change was made to our game engine that affected how reflections work on a global scale. As you're likely aware, this caused eyes to accept too much reflection, creating a glass look, i.e. sparkly eyes. This was not a simple fix for the eyes, as it wasn't actually the art of the eyes themselves causing the issue. To adjust how the reflections looked, I had to reauthor all of their textures. Since I had to spend time fixing the eyes anyway, I saw an opportunity to improve our system to allow for a larger variety of colors moving forward. These changes give us a lot more flexibility in creating more unique-looking eyes, such as closely achieving eyes with more depth and color, variations similar to Valen's or Arkin's. We fully understand the attachment to a character's eyes. There is a lot of thought put into our characters, and the last thing we would want is for anyone to feel like we have taken something from them. Now regarding the dark brown eyes, we match the colors to what we had as reference for pre-5.6. However, I recognize that some colors appeared darker than they actually were due to the amount of reflection that was in the eyes. The more reflection there is, the darker the colors become as it overwrites color information with environment reflection. We will choose one of the browns to darken to more closely match the dark brown option players had previously. In addition, we are double checking colors to make sure there aren't any that are too far off from their original hue. If we find any that still need a slight hue tweak, I will be making those adjustments, though at this point they should be subtle, i.e. if something feels slightly too green or is not glowy slash bright enough. I would appreciate feedback on which brown should be darkened to help inform that decision. I would also like to invite your input on what new colors you would like to see in-game. We will draw from your suggestions and see what we can do to make more options available. The short version here is if you think your character's eyes are too dark, let them know. And if you want your eye color to match your favorite lightsaber crystal or outfit dye, let them know what new eye colors you'd like to see. As for myself, I haven't paid too much attention to all of this. While I usually hide the helmet on most of my characters, I also spend 90% of the time looking at the back of their heads. I'm not saying that this isn't a pressing issue, I'm just saying I'm the wrong guy to take on the mantle of leading this sparkly crusade. Next week I plan to do a SWOTOR year in review along with predictions for 2018, but as I noted earlier there is no more content planned for 2017 and we do have this seemingly ancient fall roadmap sitting out there and I thought it'd be a good time to see just how they did. What did they promise? What did they deliver? Now, I'm not going to get into the quality of the content. I'll save that for next week. I'm just looking at if in the roadmap they said they'd give us a rock, did they give us a rock? So what exactly did Bioware promise us in the fall roadmap? There was a United Forces campaign and server merges. Yeah, that happened, and we are all living the dream. Nahut, the third boss from Gods from the Machine, he's out there, although I've yet to face him. I need to do something about that this week. It promised an enhanced group finder. I use that every day. It promised the traitor among the Chiss flashpoint in story and the return of Reina Temple. It's out there and is now properly tuned. Galactic Command crate improvements, changes to the CXP legacy perk, improved item disintegration, check, check, and check, legacy unassembled components, legacy credits, and new augments, also check, check, and check, 
a new war zone in GSF map. Someone else will have to confirm about the GSF map, but the new war zone is fun. PvP bolster to 242. Yeah, we got that. We also have a new companion customization vendor on the fleet and taxi points in the Tatooine and Yavin 4 strongholds. The Iocath daily area was improved and there are now CXP improvements for planetary and daily area missions in general. And finally, there were more class balance changes. As far as I can tell, they delivered everything they said they would. Again, I'll talk about what I liked and didn't like next week, but the takeaway here is the next time we get a roadmap, which should be early next year, the expectation is we'll get everything they put in it. Well, that's it for SWOTOR news. I now want to talk about The Last Jedi. Now, I know I said that this will be a spoiler-free look at The Last Jedi, but if you haven't seen it, just stop listening now. It's almost impossible to say anything without giving something away. And even though I'm not going to get into any plot points, I will be discussing the tone and the mood and the direction that Ryan Johnson took the franchise. And that can be revealing in its own right. So again, if you've not seen The Last Jedi, then just stop and come back and listen later. This episode will be here waiting for you. For the rest of us, let's dim the lights, fade in the Lucasfilm logo, put a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away on the screen, and... That, of course, was Kylo Ren from one of the Last Jedi trailers, and I chose that quote because in many ways, it is Ryan Johnson speaking to us via Kylo Ren. This film is different. It's fresh, it's bold, it surprises and shocks, and it moves in directions you never thought it would go. This is not your father's Star Wars movie. And because of that, The Last Jedi is the most divisive film since the prequels. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes, The Last Jedi got a 93% positive rating from critics and a 56% rating from fans. Just to put that in perspective, here's how some of the other films did this year. Spider-Man Homecoming, 92% from critics, 88% from fans. Wonder Woman, 92% from critics, 89% from fans. Thor Ragnarok, 92% from critics, 88% from fans, and Justice League, 40% from critics, 79% from fans. And the previous two Star Wars films, well, Rogue One got an 85% from critics, 87% from fans, and The Force Awakens, 93% from critics, 83% from fans. There's an article on SlashFilm.com written by Jacob Hall called, The Last Jedi Doesn't Care What You Think About Star Wars, and That's Why It's Great. In it, he wrote, Abrams left him, meaning Ryan Johnson, with an ellipsis, a to-be-continued that felt like a specific path. And Johnson takes a hard left turn in his land speeder, breaks through a fence, and goes off track into the wilderness. Star Wars has gone off the rails. Either you're going to be on board for the bumpy ride to a new place, or you're not. But the intentions are made early, and they're made perfectly clear. I think that sums up The Last Jedi beautifully. The Last Jedi does not try to meet expectations, it goes out of its way to defy them. 
It is clear that Johnson is more interested in exploring the things that matter to his characters, Ray, Poe, Luke, and Kylo, and not the things that matter to fans. I enjoyed it a lot. It was a fun ride, and it surprised me. This film is not perfect. Very few are. There was one scene that really pushed the envelope of my suspension of disbelief and nearly ruined the film for me, but it didn't, and I quickly moved beyond it. There was one scene with Luke that I wish I could unsee. But again, it wasn't a film breaker, it was just weird. The Last Jedi is rife with humor, but again, not in the way we've come to expect. The Marvel franchise has introduced a style of humor into its films that has now made its way into The Last Jedi. I'm talking on the level of Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok. Not necessarily in the same quantity, but it's that type of humor. I thought it worked well and I was more than okay with it. Carrie Fisher was outstanding, and Mark Hamill delivered one of his best performances. Not that he's been in a ton of films, mind you, but you could clearly see how his talents as a voice actor helped him in this role. Rose was a nice addition to the cast of characters and had the most inspirational line of the entire film. And Benicio Del Toro was, well, Benicio Del Toro, which admittedly seemed odd because we haven't seen this type of character in a Star Wars film. I didn't view this as bad, it was just another thing that Johnson was asking us to unlearn. The Last Jedi takes place in a corner of the galaxy that has been explored in great detail through the incredible stories of the expanded universe. To walk on this well-trodden ground and find a freshly blooming bud in this giant field of familiar flora is no small feat, and yet that's exactly what Johnson did. For the first time, I can honestly say I have no idea where the story is going. This is about a blank a canvas as anyone could ask for going into the story's final act. What happens next is anyone's guess, which is perhaps the ultimate triumph for The Last Jedi. A couple of final notes for today. One thing that fans all agree is great in The Last Jedi is that beautiful John Williams music. The soundtrack for The Last Jedi is available to stream for free on Spotify. I thought Rose's theme was just wonderful. And up for sale on the cartel market is the Deep Cover Operatives Armor Set. It costs 1440 cartel coins and is the same outfit that Theron Sean is wearing in a trader among the Chiss. Deep Cover Operative, eh? Spoil much, Bioware? And that's going to wrap it up for today. Let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 64 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is SotorPodcast.com. There is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 65 on December 26th. And remember the Sith Toad, Kate is alive.